on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We jump right into local college football by giving you an OU personnel and practice update. We also break down Oklahoma State's win over Baylor. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap the marquee games of the weekend, including LSU upsetting Florida and North Carolina destroying Miami, and we bring you the latest college football news. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Ravens and Browns. To finish up with the weather we got across the state this weekend, we discuss our favorite things to do in the snow and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 14th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Also, First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night. And uh, unfortunately, Ted, while we had a very relaxing weekend with no OU game, uh, we did lose a colleague and friend. Uh, Greg Blackwood uh, passed away this weekend. Uh, for those of you that don't know Greg, he's worked for Griffin Communications for forever. He's uh, been you know, one of the main people over there at News 9. For a long time, uh, he's been the spotter for Toby Rowland uh, for the OU radio broadcast since 2011. And he's just a great guy. He's a great guy. And unfortunately, lost him to cancer, uh, complications from cancer this weekend. And Ted, you, you've known Greg a lot longer than I have, but it, it was always about other people with that guy. I'm, I'm very thankful because I, I – I hadn't gotten to spend a lot of time with Greg really other than actually during the broadcast. Right. And this year with how travel was a little different. I actually got to ride with Blackwood to Ames for the Iowa state game and there and back spent like 17 hours in a car with him. And we talked about a lot of things. It was the first time I really got to just sit and, you know, have long extended conversations with them. And 
we talked about his treatment and his battle with cancer and all these things, kind of, you know, his career and all these things, but he would, he would always turn the conversation back to me every, every time he wanted to know about, you know, my playing career, about my family, asked all kinds of questions about my wife, my dogs. He was just, that was just kind of the guy he was. He was just so pleasant to be around. And Ted, I know that, uh, this is, this is rough for you, man. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a rough year. And, um, this is, uh, obviously a, a guy that I've known since, uh, I met him on the broadcast too. That's, that's how I first met Greg. Um, you know, he's Toby spotter, Toby and Greg go way back, uh, news nine days, obviously, but you know, Greg is, you hear this a lot that he's one of the best guys I, I know whenever we, we talk about somebody, but he literally is probably the nicest man ever. He was unbelievably caring. He would do anything for you. Um, he would sit and talk. He would, you know, whatever you would ever ask for the guy, uh, just an unbelievably caring guy. Uh, and I told him all the time, I was like, you, you're too nice. There's something going on here, Greg. You're too nice. People are not this nice. There's, there's something wrong just to give him, uh, give him a hard time. But, um, you know, there there's a couple of people that you're you will cross paths with throughout your life where you can honestly say that I am better for knowing from knowing them and uh Greg Blackwood is definitely one of those guys yeah I so for all you out there that you know could send prayers positive vibes whatever you believe in uh send them the Blackwood family's way it's a it's a loss obviously for the OU community uh, for us personally, but like you said, Teddy, it's it, the, the world is the worst place without that man in it. Uh, I, I truly believe that. My, uh, my last text message to him was last week and it was, you've got to hurry back. Toby was shitty without you <laughs> <laughs> during the broadcast. That's... So uh, uh, just to make him laugh a little bit, because I know it hurt him that he wasn't there. I think that was the first game that he had missed, and, and I know he wanted to be there. But, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be a different booth without him for sure. Yeah. Cancer sucks. This sucks. But um, everyone do us all a favor. Treat people really well. Be nice to people. That's what Greg Blackwood did, and the world the world would be a better place if more people were like Greg. He will be missed dearly, no doubt. Okay, so we're, we're going to try to put something entertaining together, even though we start off on a, a very somber note. So, Ted, let's get to the local college football. That's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Okay, let's start with some OU updates. And, Ted, I was told that the Oklahoma Sooners had their best week of practice 
of the entire year this year, and they practiced this weekend. And except for Stogner, right, it, it sounds like they are completely healthy for the first time in months. So the staff feels really good about where the team is at right now, uh, about how they're, you know, the way that they're preparing for this Big 12 championship game. So on Saturday, they did a little mini simulated game, uh, went through their full pregame warmup, and then had a quick practice, did some situation stuff. And I, I think that's really smart by Lincoln, especially with how many guys, especially on that defensive side of the ball, right, that were missing in that Baylor game. It's good to get those guys back into a rhythm, Teddy, kind of get them back in the groove, right? Yeah, I mean, you a simulated game, now you're never going to actually be able to simulate what takes place out there, but to go through the motions, uh, kind of keep, keep the body clock right, you know, whenever you expect to have a game and then you don't, um, you know, you want to stay on that, that schedule to where you know what it's like, uh, the wake-up schedule, the – uh, I would guess that they did it for an 11 a.m. kick like we're going to have uh, this coming Saturday. I don't know that, but that would be a guess. And, yeah, just go through the paces, continue to practice. Man, it's awesome to have a fully healthy team this late in the season. I mean, that's rare. It's really rare. And not only do we, we – we've talked about this before, but not only are we totally healthy, but We've added a bunch of players since we started the season. That's rare as well. So um, seems like this team is headed in the right direction. Uh, obviously, there's nothing they could have done. I personally still would have liked to uh, have seen them play and try and get right and, and put a real good game on film before you head into the Big 12 championship. But sounds like they're practicing well. Um, I will say, though, in my experience, a good week of practice means nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had an amazing – that's something you hear uh, – you always hear coaches, like the losing coach in a post-game press conference, well, we had a great week of practice. I just don't know what happened. I mean, it was crazy. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been in weeks where it was like – it was just horrible. Every day was horrible. Coaches were in horrible moods. Players were in bad moods. Is It just was the worst week of practice, and you go out and you play amazing. I've had other weeks where it's like, God, man, this – I love our game plan. I love what we're doing. I've got a real good feeling about what they're doing offensively, and you go out there and you play horribly. So I don't know what the right mix is, but I, it's – I guess it's definitely better to practice good than it is bad, but um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that just because they had a great week of practice that means they're going to own this football game. They're going to destroy the Cyclones because they practiced well. It, like you said, it's better. It's better than practicing really poorly. I suppose it'd be alarming if the guys on the staff were like, "Boy." These kids look shitty this week. <laughs> like that's that's certainly okay, not what I'll you want. I'll just tell you. Uh, I had a conversation with a coach before the Baylor game, a defensive coach who said that day was a disaster and they played their best game of the year against Baylor defensively. So you just never know. Isn't that funny how that works? Uh, one other thing for OU. I thought this was interesting. Uh, according to our buddy, Ralph Russo of the Associated Press, 
the Big 12 has determined that if either Iowa State or Oklahoma can't play in the conference title game, a replacement team will be chosen using the conference standings and tiebreakers if necessary. Uh, Our man Ralph went through those tiebreakers, and as a result, the replacement team would be the Texas Longhorns. So if there is some catastrophic scenario in Norman or in Ames, Texas will play in the Big 12 championship game. Now, other than this being the dumbest idea I have ever heard, let, let's just hope it doesn't happen. I, I, I could not believe what I was reading. I was like, that can't be right. And then our man Ralph Russo, he, he checked and double check and talk to people at the conference office. And yeah, if, if you or Iowa State can't play in the Big 12 championship game, Texas shows up and plays in it, which at that point, what, what are we doing? Like, what are we even doing? I don't know. I mean, if anything, if, you know, if I'm trying to think how the saying goes, if something can happen, it will happen. Right. It's Was like that Murphy's law. Murphy. Yes, that's it. Murphy's law. And it's, you just know that this year, let me ask you this. Let's say Kansas state was the replacement team. Would they put Kansas state in or would they uh, move the game back? I would assume, I, I think they should move it back. No matter who to, you, you can't have a, if, if your whole thing as a conference is, Everyone plays everybody, and the top two teams play for the championship. Like, you can't have the third-place team play in the conference championship game. It makes no damn sense. You, you just can't do it. You just don't play the game. I, uh, you know, if it was any other team other than Texas, I would be like, give me something crazy. I'm down for crazy. This year, let's just make it as crazy as possible. But since it's Texas, no way. I it's dumb. I mean, you you should be able to get the thing in, bump it back. But I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything recently on Iowa State. I hope both of these teams are in a real good uh, spot right now. Let's just hope that it doesn't happen. It is dumb. They could move it back. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. That would be so horrible. Can you imagine that Texas – like? It, find their way in because another team was sick and somehow win the game, win a conference championship. Oh and they're capable of doing it. Like they're capable sure. of doing it. They got yes, talent, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But that would, that would be the worst thing imaginable. Can you imagine? They just, they, they keep Tom Herman and now all of a sudden, boom. Oh, Hey, big 12 champs. <laughs> that would be the most, that would be the biggest joke of all time. It would Listen, be better if they fired him and then won it after he was gone. You know, that would, <laughs> you're right. We'll we'll get to that whole thing, but um, my thing with that is if because it's a long shot, right? That OU or Iowa State, like a really long shot, that OU or Iowa State are in the college football playoff picture, right? I mean, I know it's not impossible, but it is the long shot. So if one of those teams can't play for some reason, why don't you just push the game a little bit? Why, why have a team that finished in third place and they didn't even really finish in third place. When you look at the rankings, this it's Texas because of some weird 
tiebreaker because they didn't play the same number of games as Oklahoma State. I don't know. It's confusing. But just push the game, right? Who cares about the college football playoff selection show? Neither of these teams are getting in it. Who cares? Right. I don't know. I guess maybe for bowl games, but I, I have no idea. I'm with you. I would want to push it back. I mean, especially if it was Oklahoma. But, I mean, here's what I – this is the thing, though. If, let's say, you're Oklahoma and you're missing players, you're missing staff, and I don't know where you are on the, the threshold that you've got to meet, but let's say you've got however many guys from a given position group down. I would rather march out my scout team to try and beat Iowa State, show up with like 15 guys on the sideline and a couple of coaches, then I would to just pull out of the game and have someone go else in there and try and win it, right? There is no way in hell that either of those teams are not playing in that game. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't care if you got to start a running back at, like, go Denver Broncos, uh, you know, pull someone off the scout team to play quarterback. You do whatever you can. You say, uh, we'll be there. I don't know how many we're bringing, but we'll be there. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous, the thought. The te- well, just Texas finds out on, like, Friday, and they just show up like, okay, we'll see you guys there. Let's have a good game. That would make me – There's once again, very unlikely that that happens. But the fact that it's even a possibility, it pisses me off. Not going to lie. I do kind of laugh a little bit that the Texas coaches have to put two game plans together this week for Iowa State and Oklahoma and do some extra work. Isn't signing, like, National Signing Day this week, too? So throw that into the mix instead of being able to just sit back and and focus on recruiting. Gosh, that sounds miserable. Imagine being a GA there right now. Oh, (laughs) that would be terrible. All right, Ted, let's move on to Call Your Shot, and that's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked you for your boldest takeaway from the weekend in college football. And Teddy, our favorite one comes from Buster Rhymes at Buster for Sooners on Twitter, which I checked in his bio. Uh, it is not the real Buster Rhymes. He, okay. he, uh, he states so in his Twitter bio. So unfortunately, Buster Rhymes, Dang it. not a listener yet, yet. But <laughs> this is what Buster had to say. Off-the-field takeaway, with the coaching carousel in full swing, the OU staff will have at least two more changes before next season. 
that's not something we've really started thinking about, right? And we'll get to what happened with the coaching carousel a little later, but Alex Grinch, he's done a hell of a job. Are, I, I just don't know. Like, We'll see what jobs become open, but you, you have to think that Alex Grinch is going to get some calls, right? Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely get calls. He got calls last year. He got head coaching calls before he even came to Oklahoma. So he's going to get calls. Um, you just got to wonder, like, how selective will he be? And here's the thing. You know, he's in a position to where, like, I would understand him getting antsy to take a head head coaching job somewhere if – like this, he felt like this was going to be their best year, and the next couple of years, it could go down. And I guess maybe he could think that way if he feels like he's going to miss Ronnie Perkins and Perion Winfrey. Both those guys are going to go to the league, and there's going to be a drop off in talent. I mean, I guess that's possible, but I feel like they're just kind of getting going. So, I mean, I, what type of job would you be willing to take? right now to leave Oklahoma and let's remember if you're taking a job it's because they had a horrible year and things are down the program is down so some of them are open like the jobs that are coming open like I don't know how good they are like you know even Auburn and we'll get into that that's a good school you can win a championship there we've seen it but I mean, it's just as easy to lose four or five games there a year as it is to, you know, knock out a, a great season. The way Alabama's rolling right now, uh, Texas A&M is looking good. I mean, it's just – it's a brutal job that comes with a ton of pressure. So I think he'll be really selective. Now, here's the other part of that. As a defensive coordinator, I mean, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but just what it feels like is four or five to one offensive coordinators getting head jobs to defensive coordinators. So you have to wonder, like, if you do get a really nice offer somewhere, is another one going to come around? I, I think, like, the perfect job for Grinch would be something like a Virginia Tech. Something Are you like listening? That. Are you listening, people at Virginia <laughs> Tech? I mean, that's just what I, I – I mean, I don't see him going west. Um, you know, I don't see him taking a job where he has to compete in state with – like the South Carolina job where you have to compete with Clemson and then also be in the SEC East, like an Auburn being up against Alabama in your own, your own state. But I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I, and he's also a really smart guy. To like, I, I think that he would want to step into a really good situation, maybe to where it was a program where the coach just left because they got like an elite job, mm-hmm. and he's stepping in. I, and like Aranda at Baylor, exactly. Like where the the coach is moving on to bigger and better things, and Grant steps in, takes over a talented team, but also. I wonder if he wants to be a head coach yet because, you know, uh, I know a lot of people may have a hard time understanding this, but 
some coaches that are coordinators, like they, some, some guys feel like they're not ready to be the head man yet, or that they still have room to grow as a coordinator and more information to gather and kind of have a clearer picture of the head coach they want to be eventually. It's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing for coordinators, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm sure he's, he's going to get calls. There's no doubt. He's, he's too damn good not to. Okay, Ted, uh, one more thing for local college football, and that is, okay, OSU just went to Waco and destroyed Baylor. Sure, of course, 42 to 3, 42 to 3, and it wasn't even that close. And before the game, we found out that Chuba Hubbard officially opted out, even though he had been opting out the last couple of games anyways. But we also found out that Baylor was missing a huge number of players and staff members. But even with all that, give Oklahoma State credit. They whooped Baylor in every phase. Dylan Stoner was an absolute monster for Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor could not cover him. They, they tried a couple different things. None of them worked. He ends up with three touchdowns. Dominic Richardson, the pride of Bishop McGinnis, Teddy. Yes. There we go. The pride of Bishop McGinnis was running wild for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And that Baylor defense that looked so good against Oklahoma a couple weeks ago was unrecognizable. I, I don't really – other than Jalen Petrie still being that dude – I don't know what that was. I, I'm, and then when you look at Baylor's offense, it's just atrocious. Uh, I'm not sure if Oklahoma State's defense even played that well, but that Baylor offense is so limited. And maybe it's a little bit of both of those things. Maybe Oklahoma State played well defensively, and Baylor is terrible offensively. But a nice win. I mean, a nice win to go on the road in conference play and beat the absolute hell out of a team. Ted, they beat him so bad that Charlie Brewer was like, you know what? I got to get out of here. I'm grad transferring. <laughs> I don't blame him, I guess. I mean, it feels like he's been there forever anyways. You know, I don't know how to feel about this. I picked Baylor to win the football game. Um, and I thought for sure they would. I thought they were a better football team based off of what I saw at Oklahoma State and Baylor. In back-to-back games, I said, this team is better than this team. They'll win the game. That was horribly wrong. If, if I remember correct, we have now filmed two Sooner Game Day pregame shows uh, for West Virginia that did not get played, and neither of those show, shows ever went on air. But we do do a pick em segment, and I was the only one that picked Oklahoma State to win the game. We'll never know. I don't remember if that's Genius. true or not. We will never That know. show will never be run, but I'm telling you right now, I picked you, Oklahoma State. I believed in you. Okay, so I think this year, like motivation for a football game, I think it matters more than it has at any other time because of all the COVID protocols and all the crap that these guys have been through. So that helps a little bit. Baylor doesn't have anything to play for. It's different when Oklahoma is your opponent and you've got a chance to, to go out there and beat Oklahoma, um, which I think kind of would tell you like why West Virginia looks really good and they went to Iowa State and, you know, just didn't – I don't know. But I don't know if this game makes me feel better 
or worse? Does it make me feel better that we looked as good as we did against Oklahoma State at times? Or does it make me feel worse that Baylor, who just got drummed, gave us a, a tight football game and did some really, really good things against us? Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go with your original theory of it, – it's like these games are almost like bowl games. Right. Right, where one team you're like, well, did they really want to be there? Like, Baylor did not look overly inspired on the <laughs> field, but that being said, you're right. Oklahoma State just went up and down that the field. That was part of my pick of picking Baylor is that I thought Oklahoma State was going to be that way. After having a chance this year, a lot of people thought to be in it for the Big 12 championship and not being there, guys opting out, you know, I, I thought that they would just show up and, you know, but, God, I was wrong. Horrible. It was a confusing game. I was watching the whole thing like, really? I mean, Stoner took, what, that first one? It was like 75 yards. I was like, okay, okay. And then it was just a beat down. And Baylor's offense showed no signs of life. I mean, none. And I was like, okay, well, this is just going to be a thorough beatdown. Here we go. And, hey, give Mike Gundy credit. His team was ready to play in what was a really weird spot. You know that uh, maybe not the majority of, but a lot of the players that were playing that game, it was Friday, and they were looking around like, okay, is this <laughs> thing getting canceled? Uh, yep. No. But they played it. And one team showed up, and the other team did not. Yikes. 42-3. to three. Yikes. Brutal. Brutal. All right, Ted, let's move on to National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers, they compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Only one game we can start with. LSU goes to Gainesville and beats Florida 37-34. And, Ted, there is a lot to unpack in this football game. Uh, some weird things have been going on at LSU. Thought Coach o may have lost the locker room. Well, <laughs> I guess not, uh, because it was a really impressive performance by LSU. Florida's defense continues to be a disappointment, but no Kyle Pitts for the Gators in this one. That whole thing was weird. He warmed up. He was ready to go, and then they said, you know what? You're not playing. I, I, I don't know what was going on there, but seems like they could have used him down in the red zone where the Gators struggled in this football game. But also pretty sure we just watched Kyle Trask Lose the Heisman Trophy in that game. He had the two interceptions. The one was a pick six. was a huge play in that football game. So, so all of these things happen, right? But all anyone is talking about, Ted, is the throwing of the shoe. The cleat heave. The toss. <laughs> Some are calling this the shoe game, 
in fact. <laughs> so if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me set the scene for you. Florida gets a stop to force fourth and six for LSU on their own 29-yard line with under two minutes to go in the game. So they probably would have had to punt and just hope that something they, they were able to get a stop. But the drive gets extended because Marco Wilson from Florida makes the tackle and ends up with Cole Taylor's shoe. And he chucks that bitch 20 <laughs> yards in the air. I, I've never – we've seen – because we've seen guys throw cleats before, right? Like, this has happened. Like, a lot of – it's more common with the towel, right? You see a guy's towel, you right. throw it. Like, but he, he threw this shoe as far as he could, Teddy, and gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. It extends the drive down credit to – what was the – I forget the kicker's name. Sorry, man. But he buries the 57-yarder. And – but – was this the dumbest penalty you've ever seen? Um, no. I mean, it was bad, but didn't Ole Miss lose the – what do they call that, the egg bowl? Whenever the guy hiked his leg in the end zone. <laughs> didn't they lose the game because of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so That guy's still there. And, by the way, that guy's like leading the country year. in receptions. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Elijah Moore? Is that his name? Yes, I think that's right. So, I mean, it's not the dumbest penalty I've ever seen, but it's one of them. It's one of them. They had other opportunities to get off the field and to make plays, but that really makes it sting. But, dude, how about a 57-yarder from a York. college kid to win a game? That's insane. In the fog, too. Yeah. Cade York. What a good – that's a good kicker name. Cade yeah. York. Distinguished. Kickers – that's a, a Cade. That works perfectly. But, man, what a what a disappointing performance by Florida. Especially – LSU was missing a ton of guys. I mean, they didn't have a lot of scholarship players for this game. And I know that Dan Mullen wants to make excuses after the game and say, hey, I, you know, playing more games – is is a bad thing, I guess, this year. Like, Dan, you you just lost to a bad team that didn't have a bunch of its players. Like, you got beat. Stop whining. I don't know what he's saying. I You know, but I will say this, though. This is like LSU is a three-win football team that has a ton of distractions going on that uh, is obviously down a bunch of players, and they go in – and knock off the number six team in their place. That is why I made such a big deal in our last podcast over Ohio State and the fact that they're going to get into the college football playoff playing so few football games. This happens in college football literally every week. Something like this happens. That's why it's a big deal that you're only going to play six football games. That's why it makes me so mad is because you never know. You never know who's going to beat you. You can never look at the schedule and say, oh, win, 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 win. It just doesn't work out that way. Someone's going to jump up and bite you. I mean, very rarely do we see teams have undefeated seasons, and that's the reason why, man. That's 
it's college football. I've heard you say it before. It is the most difficult thing to predict. There, there's Impossible. no way of knowing what's going to happen from one week to the next. I picked uh, Baylor to beat Oklahoma State. They got destroyed. Okay, <laughs> destroyed. And, the, and those are teams we know well. Like we've seen. Them yes. Play. So I, I mean, what are you going to do? So I mean, that's that. that this exact result is what infuriates the hell out of me whenever it comes to Ohio State. Yeah. And by the way, LSU did all of that with Max Johnson, who he's a true freshman, right? The kid looks like he's yeah. like 16 years old. That's an impressive yeah. win for Coach O. I, I, I know that they've had a terrible year. I get it. I get things have been a little dicey down there. It sounds like there's been some, uh, some interesting things going on between that staff and some of the players and some of the guys that are you know, thinking about leaving. I get it, but it's a nice win. It's a nice win. All right, Ted, North Carolina, Miami. We were very excited about this football game. We knew it was going to be extremely entertaining. Wrong. Miami, they wore all black, which apparently was them dressing for their own funeral because, oh, my God, North Carolina – destroyed them 62 26 and it was not that close sam howell he threw a touchdown he ran for a touchdown he caught a touchdown but that was pretty much irrelevant because michael carter and javante williams ran for a combined 544 yards and five touchdowns Teddy, these guys were so tired because they were running so much. Every time the camera showed them, I was like, yeah, these guys are exhausted. They weren't expecting to be able to run this much in this game, but they absolutely embarrassed Miami's defense. Miami, they they were on the big stage. They had a chance to impress in primetime, and they got completely embarrassed. And I I don't know if this was Mac Brown taking it taking out some frustration on his old defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz, or what. But <laughs> this was an absolute beatdown. That is one of the more brutal things that I've seen. I can't even imagine what it must be like in a football game to give up 550 yards, 554 yards to be exact, on the ground. That is unbelievable. I've, I mean – I know it's happened before. I know those type of games happen, but as a top 10 team, give up at 554 home? at home. Wearing all black jerseys. <laughs> wow. Hey, man, I'll say this. North Carolina can score. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. They put up 56 against Virginia Tech whenever they were a top 20 team. They put up 48 against NC State when they were a top 25 team. They put up 56 on Duke, 59 on Wake, uh, and now 49 Remember, against who's that Western Carolina yeah, or something, and but, then 62 against a top 10 team. And my my initial reaction is I was watching them go and go up and down the field against Miami, who does not have a terrible defense. Like this hasn't been a horrible group for them on that side of the ball. They've got, by the way, they've got a defensive head coach. My my reaction was, damn, how good is Notre Dame's defense? Yeah. 
They shut that group out. They shut North Carolina out in the second half. Yep. So that that was my thing. I was like, damn, these guys, they they got wide receivers. They got backs. They got a good quarterback. Their offensive line is decent. That Notre Dame defense must – I think we already knew that they were a legit group, but this was just another reminder that, hey, the Fighting Irish, they they got a squad on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, hey, I agree. Um, Give Mac Brown some credit, man. That's North Carolina, and they're not going to win the ACC, but look out for them in the coming years because he's put together a really good recruiting class. It looks like maybe it slipped a little bit from from the heights of where it was and what they thought they might get, but still putting together a great recruiting class for them, and that's just the beginning. I imagine that's going to keep happening there, and North Carolina could turn themselves into a little little competitor there in the ACC. I got a feeling that Mac Brown's going to get some kids out of South Florida. It's just a feeling. Yeah. Yep. God, what a horrible showing by Miami. Whew. Man, you can't you can't wear all black and get beat like that. That's that's against the rules, Miami. You have to retire those jerseys. I'm sorry. That's that's just how it is. Okay, one last game, Ted. Uh, USC and UCLA. Oh my God, was it beautiful? <laughs> USC wore the cardinal red. UCLA wore the beautiful powder blue. The Rose Bowl grass was green as could be. It was absolutely gorgeous. It is the most aesthetically pleasing game in all of college football. And it was actually a good game. I mean, it was there are all kinds of big explosive plays in the passing game. Uh, for UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and the Brutes, they had things rolling, right? They were up. 28-10 there in the third quarter, but then just made mistake after mistake after mistake, and Keen Slovis and the Trojans apparently have a, a, a flair for the dramatic. Another comeback win for them, and that game-winning drive where Slovis ends up finding Amon Ross St. Brown for the game winner, it all started because Gary Bryant had that big kickoff return that really got things going for the Trojans there, but USC, they're 5-0. and Now, it's not an impressive 5-0. and It's not, but, Ted, it's, it's still 5-0. and It's almost as impressive as Ohio State's 5-0 and is. I mean, the only thing separating the two is, imagine this, Ohio State beat Indiana. That's the big separator, okay? I, I always knew that we'd use Indiana to separate <laughs> undefeated teams it's like what wait what indiana were yeah they're kind of good oh yeah that's weird yeah but the strange thing is uh ohio state is i think three in the usa today poll and usc 13 i believe so hmm. interesting is indiana that good that's the difference that's what we're gonna say no, I think it's name. I think it's uh, one of those predetermined teams to make the college football playoff. But, yeah, give USC credit. Hey, what they outscore UCLA 20-3 to in the fourth quarter to come back and win this thing by five points. Yeah. Uh, fun game. Really was. And beautiful. So beautiful. And beautiful. Gosh, that game looks good. Okay, Ted, let's move on to the college football news and – uh, we got to start with Texas. Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte issued a statement that 
Well, after some clarification, because it wasn't the most clear statement we've ever seen, but uh, came out and said that Tom Herman will be back as Texas's head coach next year. And when Urban Meyer, when Urban Meyer was no longer a realistic option, this is this is what I expected Texas to do because paying twenty five to thirty million dollars to buy out Tom Herman and his staff didn't make much sense with their not being some home run hire available out there. I don't think that guy is out there, in my opinion. But were you surprised by this at all, Ted? I I feel like the messaging could have been a little better. No, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I've kind of said the same thing. It's like, I I think Urban Meyer is the only – he's the only hire I can think of that I think would work there. He's the only one. Anything other than that, I think they're they're just either treading water, maybe even going backwards. But the other thing is like, I don't know, I don't know how you move forward with Tom Herman as far as program wise. I know that you don't want to pony up that much money to get rid of him and bring in someone that wasn't your number one number one choice. I understand that, but he's going back into a tough situation to try and you know, move forward with, with the way things went this year. I don't necessarily know what his team feels about him. It's never really looked like there's some big love affair and those guys just can't wait to go out there and play for their coach. I always remember him headbutting a guy with his helmet on before their bowl game and the whole team just kind of stood there and looked at him. I mean, it's, it's weird. I don't think it's going to work. I mean, I, I expect him to be just another mediocre Big 12 team next year, but I understand them like the last time they made a, a, a decision was when they got rid of Mac Brown because they honestly thought they were going to get Nick Saban and they went all the way down the list and ended up with Charlie Strong. Now, I think Charlie Strong's a good football coach, but there is no way that whenever Texas fired Mac Brown, they thought they were going to be coached by Charlie Strong the next season. So I don't think they wanted something like that to happen again. And I, I just, I don't know, I don't know who the next name is right now, other than Urban Meyer, and it sounds like he doesn't want it. Yeah, just save the money. <laughs> They're saving money. There you go. Good job, Chris Del Conte. They got a lot of projects. They got to finish there in Austin. There, a lot of construction. Hey, yeah. Ted, what's the? Uh, do you know what the new city bird in Austin is? Official city bird. I do not. The crane. Get it? <laughs> construction crane. Get it? Feel free to use uh, that. Feel free funny. to use that. Okay, Not so th- this was really interesting to me. It's something that you know we had talked about, we had kind of anticipated having, but it's still kind of weird seeing it actually happen, and that was Boston College. They come out, they announce they will not participate in a bowl game. And Jeff Halfley, their head coach, said the season has taken a hell of a mental and physical toll on his players. And remember, no one has handled the coronavirus better than Boston College. They've had like one guy test positive since June. I, it, it's unbelievable how well they handled it. But that being said, these kids haven't seen their families since June. And Halfley said that they wanted their players to be able to go home for the holidays. And he didn't want them to have to go through three more weeks of the protocols and be away from their family and friends, especially since – there's, there's really no guarantee 
that the bowl game would actually get played, right? Because you could have a bunch of guys test positive right before the bowl game and all of a sudden game's off. So they decided that they, they weren't going to do it. And I, I think that this is, this is just another example of we, we may not quite understand everything these players and coaches are going through on a day-to-day basis. And I know college football players are catered to. They get whatever they want. It's, I, I understand that. But, uh, Ted, I think these guys have been living life under an extreme amount of stress the last couple of months. And I, I kind of admire Halfley for just saying, you know what? The kids have been through enough. Let's give them a break. Yeah, especially whenever a lot of these bowl games end up being a uh, something that the university loses money on, having to travel and all the different things that go into to being there for a bowl game um, and the payout as you go down the list gets to be, you know, smaller and smaller, obviously. So, and I don't blame Boston college because they've got the only bowl game. I think that's ever been canceled. Uh, the first responders bowl, I was supposed to call that game and we called about seven minutes of it and they canceled it and said, go home. So I, I understand how they feel about Wait, going somewhere in the game. You were playing. supposed, you were supposed to call that game. I, yeah. Me how have I never and, heard this story? I don't know. Me and Brian Haney, play-by-play for Kansas, were there at the Cotton Bowl calling that game. I think we got seven minutes into the first quarter, and lightning, thunder, thunderstorms in the area. I remember it well because I was making a bunch of jokes about how the first responders bowl was the one that got canceled and it was because of lightning. Like, <laughs> come on, you got to be a little better at first responding guys. Yeah, we've got a ton of first responders here. We should be fine. No. Yeah, that was, so I get Boston college's uh, feelings of having to go through all of that only to have a bowl game canceled. So no, I, I don't blame them. And I wonder how many, how many teams we see do this. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't well, shock me if there's a bunch. Yeah, I think we're up to four now because Pittsburgh announced they'll do the same thing. Virginia uh, said the same thing. And then Stanford came out and said that once they play their game, I think they play UCLA. Once that game, that their season's going to be over. So uh, I think we're going to continue to see more and more teams. And I've got no problem with it. Uh, I, I really don't. I think that this season has been a lot for these players and these coaches. You mentioned the financial aspect of things, right? And if, if it really doesn't add up financially and you, you don't have to put the kids through all of that for a couple of weeks, I, I think it's a no-brainer. So we'll see how many more teams do it. But, yeah, I, I, only, I only feel for the kids, though, because do they not get bowl, bowl gifts now? Uh, I I guess bowl not, gifts are the best. Yeah, if you go to good bowls. True. That's a good point. I don't bowl know gifts. what the first responders bowl gift was, but I'm sure it's not the greatest thing ever. There's no better bowl gift than spending time with your family and friends. Look at you. What's Put the, that on a card or something? What's the something. worst bowl gift that you got? Hair dryer from the Sun Bowl. <laughs> 
Now the backpack from the Sun Bowl. Yeah, we. I, I, it was my redshirt year. We went to we went to the Sun Bowl there in beautiful El Paso, and that's the first thing they give you. You open up your room, and there's a hair dryer on your bed, and you're like, and it was purple too. A hair dryer. That's fascinating. I know. <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting. Oh, that's great. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna save all the uh, coaching carousel news uh, for my winners and losers. Ted. So uh, let's move on to our segment and we will start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by advanced weight loss clinic of sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, advanced weight loss clinic of sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I got to go with Jalen Hurts. It's hard to argue with. Got it done. It wasn't pretty. Uh, I think he was 17 of 30, which, you know, it's not the worst ever. Uh, did throw for a touchdown, but added 100 yards in the running game. Uh, did what he had to do to to beat New Orleans, a good football team. I know they don't have Drew Brees right now, but that's still a 10-win Saints team that's really good, really balanced team offensively and defensively. Gabe, it is hard to win in the NFL, especially as a rookie quarterback on what's been a terrible football team. So I give the kid a ton of credit for going in there and fighting and beating the New Orleans Saints. That back shoulder throw for the touchdown to Alshon nice. Jeffrey? Yep. That was Best nice. He took, he took it straight in the face. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, it, it was a great throw. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was really impressed. I was really impressed. I thought he you know, was really calm, composed, did a good job running the show, didn't make any horrible decisions. Maybe the Eagles aren't even that bad. Wentz has just been turning the ball over like crazy. Yeah. So uh, Now, I don't think they're a great team, but Hurts didn't make any critical mistakes, and would you look at that? They won. And he, Wentz looks like he's so panicked all the time, and I understand he's, he's been under – their offensive line has not played well, but he, he just – I don't know. He has not looked like himself, looks scared, uh, looks like – you know, the spotlight is on him and he doesn't know what to do with the football. So Jalen, give him credit, went in there, got a W, pretty nice, tough. I thought that that was going to be a bad situation for Jalen Hurts. Yeah. But, hey, hey, Miles Sanders got going. Like, that was, that was a nice win for the Eagles. And a lot of people are like, Taysom Hill, so is he good or what? But, yeah, nice win. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? My loser leads college football in passing by nearly 400 yards. He leads college football in passing touchdowns by 10 with 40. My loser is Kyle Trask because, unfortunately for him, uh, while he's leading in those categories and insane – 40 touchdowns to five interceptions is just unbelievable. He's been great. He's completing over 70% of his passes. 
But that pick six against LSU may have sealed his fate, Gabe. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy anymore. I uh, I definitely, definitely agree. While he did some really good things in that game, he also made some big mistakes. And you, it, it's hard to win a Heisman Trophy when you play a game like that. You lose to a team like that. And I know it's LSU, but still, LSU is not a good team this season. They're not. When you do that in primetime, late in the season, yikes. That's a uh, hurts. Lose that hurts. To a team that, who that do, you shouldn't. Who would you? And I, you don't have a vote, do you? I don't have a vote, so I, I think, do not. Okay, we should. What the hell, guys? But no. I, my vote right now would be for Devonte Smith. I don't. I don't think anyone's playing better than him in college football. I I yeah. could. I can't vote for Mac Jones. I wouldn't vote for Mac Jones because I don't think he's the best player on his own team. I think Devontae Smith's the best player. Yeah. Um, it's tough. I, I mean, I really don't know. Um, I think Devontae Smith is – I think he's obviously a great player. Um, I wish I had a better option. There's really – you know, I, Brees Hall I think is great. I would but vote, I don't think, he I don't would think get, he's the best player in college football. That's true. He's been really he's, – he's been – really really good for them but now Brock Purdy's actually playing well so it's almost like Brees Hall doesn't matter as much anymore to his team it's weird yeah it's it's been it's been a strange year um I I really I really don't no one separated themselves like I don't know who the best player in college football is I mean I could almost argue that Zayvon Collins for Tulsa has done just as much like to prove he's the best player in college football as anyone like for what he means to his team and what he's done in critical moments. I mean, you know, I just don't know who that guy is. Like I Kyle Trask is thrown for 3,700 yards and 40 touchdowns, but is he really the best player in college football? Kyle Trask. He's not even the best player on his own team. Yeah. Mac Jones. I mean, He's been incredibly efficient with the football. 27 touchdowns, three All right, I'll solve this. I'll solve this. Just give it to Trevor Lawrence. He, if we're talking about who's the best player in college football, the answer is Trevor Lawrence. He's the best player. If yeah. they gave Trevor Lawrence the Heisman Trophy, no one would complain. They'd be like, yeah, all right, yeah. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, a, a career achievement award at that point. But I, I'm with you. I'm with you. There's, I can't remember a year where I felt less passionate about who I thought should win the Heisman. It's weird. I know. It's real. It's very strange. I mean, very strange. Like, even like, Brees Hall's had you know 1,300 yards and 17 touchdowns, but that's not like it's a a ridiculous number. I mean. Uh, the kid from North Carolina has got more touchdowns than he does. Najee Harris has way more. Najee Harris has 22 touchdowns. I think he leads. And I would say that, like, all things considered, if I'm drafting running backs out of college football, I'm taking Najee Harris. Uh, yeah. Have you seen that guy? Right. So, Ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. It's a weird year. But I feel confident that Kyle Trask 
is not going to win it after losing to LSU, unfortunately. He's had a great season. I think he's a great player, done some really good things. Boy, he – you want to talk about bad takes. I said before the season that I didn't think Florida was going to be, you know, a, a good enough to win the SEC this year because Kyle Trask was going to hold them back at quarterback. Oops. How dumb was that? It happens, Ted. Don't be so hard on yourself. Okay, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my home from my phone. And my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, Ted, I thought about going with Thunder fans for my winner of the weekend, but <laughs> because Theo Mallet don't how – do, how do we say this kid's last name? He's French. He's 6'5". He's fantastic. He had 20 points against the Spurs. I was all kinds of excited. Yeah, I, I logged on to OKCThunder.com and watched that game, Ted. I, <laughs> I, I scratched that NBA NBA itch a little bit, but Theo Maladon, Maladon, Maladon. I, I, if I say it with a like sarcastic French accent, does it make it sound more legit? No. Damn it. Uh, it sounds better when you say it with an Oklahoma accent, Maladon. Maladon. <laughs> okay, but yeah. he's not my winner of the weekend. But he was great. I, I'm excited about his future. But And I saved it. I saved it. The winner of the weekend is the coaching carousel. Ted, we thought that the carousel, it, it might be shut down this year. Uh, no one be, would be allowed on the ride. Oh, were we wrong? We thought the Rona would affect schools. They say, you know what? We're not going to fire our coaches. We're, we're having too many financial issues. Of course they are. And they did. And the carousel got rolling this weekend. Okay. Where should we start? Kevin Sumlin fired at Arizona. Uh, re- really no argument there. Uh, he lost a lot of games. Unfortunate. Nice guy. Good guy. Good coach. This is what happens when you lose that much. Lovey Smith fired at Illinois. Um, and Ted, it finally happened. Gus Malzahn fired by Auburn. And remember that whole conversation about, ah, people won't fire their coaches because of the big buyouts. <laughs> Auburn was like, oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we don't care. They owe him $21.5 million. And I believe 50, 50% of that has to be paid in like the next, it's like 10 days or 30 days or something like that. Like, so Man, Gus is about to get ten million ever. That, I mean, it's the best thing ever for him, but the dumbest thing ever for college football. I think the way they do these contracts is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, having to pay someone a ton of money to leave, I think that's ridiculous. But it's how it works right now. I get it. Um, I mean, Arizona's a tough job. Yeah, it is definitely. It, it's a cool school. Um, it's it's a it's a fun place to live, but it's really tough to recruit to. Um, it's just we've seen good coaches go there and not be able to get over the hump. I don't know who they're going to go after, but 
that's a tough job. And Levy Smith, I was shocked whenever he took the Illinois job and more shocked that it didn't really go anywhere. Um, maybe I shouldn't be shocked because it's Illinois and they've never really gone anywhere. I guess they were decent in the early 2000s, right? Is the is the highlight of Lovey Smith's Illinois tenure when he grew that beard? That's got to be it, right? That was uh, a badass I beard. He, I think he was trying to hide from everyone that <laughs> didn't know he was there at Illinois, didn't, didn't want to give it away. But, uh, man, it's – you know, someone put it to me this way. It actually, right now, whenever money is so critical, if your fan base is disenfranchised from the the program and the coach and there's no energy there and you don't bring in the donations that you typically do, it makes sense to pay the $21.5 million to get someone in there that re-energizes the fan base and you can make that up in donations in the first year or two. You know, if people don't like what they see, they stop donating. So in the grand scheme of things, while it looks like a huge money-losing endeavor, it may actually save money and make money in the long run. So it's weird, but even in a pandemic, you're not safe in college football if you don't win. Yeah, little old uh... – little cost-benefit analysis analogy from you there, Ted. Look at you go. God, look at the big brain on you. Proud of you. It's going to be interesting to see who Auburn gets. That's a really damn good job. I mean, it's a hard job. There's a lot of expectations, but you can win there. You, you, you can, can win there. You can also have a really good football team that goes 7-5 and five every year. Correct. That's what makes it very <laughs> difficult. Right. So we'll see. There's going to be all kinds of big names. Um that are mentioned for that opening. And I believe I've already heard some whispers of one Mike Gundy. Really? Shocking. Shocking that Gundy's name would be possibly connected to an SEC job that could end up in Oklahoma State giving him more money. Or, what? okay, let's talk about it. Mike Gundy at Auburn, your thoughts. I don't like it. It doesn't make a ton of sense if you're Auburn. You don't but like it for Auburn? Yeah. I love it for Gundy. Yeah. I mean, if he I can was win. Auburn. Yeah. I mean, if I was Auburn and I'm, I'm looking for someone who's been in a situation similar that, you know, can't quite recruit to the level of their in-state rival but has to play him every year, I'm not going to find someone who's – what two and fourteen against them? Like yes, you 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 would probably look for someone that's had a bit more success. It's like it, how do we we need to find someone who who can beat their in-state rival? Mike Gundy's not your guy for that. Now I know there's other things to look at whenever it comes to that job. He'd be, I mean, like a bad recruiting year at Auburn would be by far the best recruiting class Mike Gundy's ever had as far as where it's ranked. Correct. So um, I think with some, some good players that Mike Gundy could – I think Mike Gundy's a great coach. I do. I'm I with do. you. I just think that the expectations there, you know, from whenever he started to where he is now, the expectations finally caught up with him. 
and he kind of created a monster there that he couldn't live up to every single year. And, you know, obviously because of some other stuff that it's turned sour here recently, but I think he's a great coach. And I don't know necessarily how well he'd do at Auburn because the Auburn is one of the more difficult jobs in the country because of your schedule, because of who your neighbor is and, and all those other things. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, I don't know, honestly, what direction – like, who's the big young names out there right now that everyone's dying over for head coaches? Like, there's not a bunch of them. Billy Napier, the Louisiana coach. Napier, I mean, maybe a, Fickle. Yeah. I mean, Hugh Freeze. Yeah, that's, that's one. I mean, hey, you say what you want about Hugh Freeze, okay, at Ole Miss. Did they cheat? Yes, they cheated. But did they win? Yes, they won. Okay. Did he call hookers? <laughs> yes, he did. You want to find someone that could beat Alabama? Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss beat Alabama. Okay, so there's your guy. <laughs> How much do you want to beat Bama? That's right. Auburn figured out. I, I think it'd be really interesting to see Gundy at Auburn. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. And I, I think there's a lot of Oklahoma State fans that wouldn't mind seeing it either. <laughs> So, be careful what you wish for, though. You no better doubt. hit that next hire. It better be a home run because in this conference, you can go from a, a, a decent competitive team like Oklahoma State to really bad in one or two recruiting cycles. No doubt. All right, Tim, my loser of the weekend. And I thought about going with Arkansas State, speaking of the coaching carousel, because they hired Butch Jones less than 24 hours before Gus Malzahn got fired. And if you remember, Malzahn was their head coach before he got the Auburn job. So I bet they were like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, no. But Look my loser – too. Sorry, guys. I'd take it if I wasn't here, but I think I'm going to be here for another couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but my loser of the weekend, it, it's got to be all the teams in the NFL not named the Kansas City Chiefs. Because uh, I watched a ton of the Chiefs-Dolphins game. And the Dolphins are a good team. They're well coached. They play hard. They're really solid on the defensive side of the ball. And I know they're playing a rookie quarterback. But the Chiefs were on the road. They turned the ball over four times. Mahomes threw three interceptions. And they were winning 30-10 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter. And I would like it, it just all happened so fast. And I know they scored on special teams, like, but this team, and, and Romo talked about it on the broadcast, this team looks better than they were last year. I mean, they look better defensively. And even when Mahomes, and I know the, the Dolphins, right? Uh, you know, good teams win, but great teams cover. Shout out to the Dolphins late in that one. But I, I know that. The, the Chiefs, the, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's got to be depressing for the rest of the league to see them play that, that poorly, to turn it over four times, and still go beat a good team on the road. Right. I mean, it's just, th this team, they are rolling. They are absolutely rolling. And even when Mahomes looks human, they just, they've got so many damn playmakers on offense. And... They go and win the game. It was, it was one of those things where I was watching. I was like, how are they winning this game? And then all of a sudden, they were up by 20. And I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. It's got to be depressing for all yeah. the other teams in the league seeing them do it. Yeah, I mean, they, 
are down 10-0 and then rip off, you know, what, 30 unanswered points there in the second, third quarter just to completely take over that football game. And they've got a bunch of guys playing really good football on uh, all different position groups and offensively, defensively, obviously led by Mahomes, but he's got a ton of playmakers around him. He's got Kelsey. He's got, uh, obviously, uh, Tyreek Hill. I mean, they just got a really good roster that they've put together. I think um, Kelsey may win Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, he's, he's had a great year. I mean, I, there's several guys there that have had great years. Tyreek Hill's had a great year. Um, you know, I, I just – they're defensively don't get enough credit for how good they are. You know, they've got some guys defensively that are really good and um, – you know, they've just – I give them a ton of credit on the personnel side of it because it's hard to put together a roster in this league. It's hard to put together an offensive roster in this league without a ton of ego getting involved at, at skill positions. And they what they have works right now, and they've drafted well. I mean, they've just done a really good job. Coached well, drafted well made good uh, decisions as far as contracts are concerned, and it's paid off for them. It's probably going to turn into a couple of Super Bowls. Yeah, they're 12-1 and one and rolling. Man. Look good? Man. All right, Ted, let's wet the beak. And wet the beak's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team have been so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Okay, we've got Monday Night Football between – that was good, right? That, that, was, one that one good. felt good. Yeah. That one felt good. Monday Night Football between the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns, Ravens traveling to Cleveland in this one. And the Ravens are coming off that get-right game they had against the Cowboys. While Cleveland, they, they've won four straight, playing some good football. And, Ted, I'm, I'm expecting this game to be a lot more competitive than the first matchup between these teams. You go back to the opener, right? And, uh, I mean, the Ravens just put it on the Browns 38-6 in that football game. But the Ravens really need this one to feel better about their playoff chances. Uh, Steve Kornacki and his khakis broke it all down for me on NBC. And I'm just going to tell you, the memory on that guy, that's ridiculous. He's able to do that and do the different graphics and not mess up once. That guy is a wizard. I don't don't care, people. You need to respect Kornacki. You don't have to like him, but you better respect him. It's unbelievable what he does. But, okay, sorry, I got a little off track there, but... (laughs) Ravens probably going to be more of a desperate team in this game, but I'm I'm interested to see if Cleveland can get that ground game going with Chubb and Hunt. 
against a good Baltimore defense. And it, it feels like Baker Mayfield is playing the best ball of his pro career right now. He's got that confidence right. But I think the Ravens are, are going to heat him up a little bit. I think they're going to bring some more pressure. But they can only do that, right, if they I, – I, I don't know if there's shutting down that run game, but they got to slow it down a little bit to be able to heat Baker up. And he's going to have to get the ball out of his hands and those Browns receivers, uh, they're going to need to win, right, in some of those man, man-to-man situations. But I'm sure the Browns' defense is determined to shut down Lamar Jackson – after what the Ravens did to them in the first meeting. But this is this is a line that I, I believe people in the industry call it a, a, a stinky line. It, it smells, Ted, because Baltimore is a three-point favorite on the road in Cleveland. It smells a yeah. little weird. To a 9-3 and three football team. Um, who's the better quarterback? Oh, man. I would say Lamar, but do I? That, that's a tricky question for me because, you know, I he he won the MVP last year, and there was only a couple of weeks ago where people were wondering if Baker Mayfield was going to ever play in the NFL again because he was playing so bad. So I know that this is this is very much a week to week league, but I think his running ability it just it just sets him apart so much. And the thing for me is, what would could Lamar Jackson? What what could Lamar Jackson do if he had Stefanski as his coach, right? If he was running that zone system with all the boots and all these things that I think he could do. I think Baker's playing better than him right now, but it would it would be tough for me to say, yeah, I'd take Baker over Lamar Jackson when Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the entire league last season. And he's young. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I love the Browns system. I, I, played in, yeah. I played for Greg Roman. I played in that system. It's different, right? And he's tailor-made it to Lamar. But I do think Lamar could play in a system like Kyle Shanahan, what Shanahan does with the 49ers, um, what we're seeing the Browns do. Like, I think he could operate in something like that if he was given the chance. And if he had a running game, like the, where, where the running game wasn't him, right? Where the running yeah. game was Nick Chubb. I, I don't know. I just – my instincts to say Lamar. I, the reason I ask is because I think – and this isn't anything groundbreaking, but I think the quarterback that plays the best wins the game. And Baker's coming off of one of his best performances uh, in his career with that that big win over Tennessee. Um, You know, they've won the four straight. And I know the Ravens and Lamar's been out and they've had a real tough schedule. I mean, their last five was brutal uh, until they played Dallas. And uh, they handled Dallas pretty easily there. So, I don't know, man. I... I tend to lean towards the Browns at home. I like their defense. Uh, I I think Baker's played well, but I like the way they run the football, and that keeps it out of Baker's hands quite a bit. Now, they went opposite against Tennessee and aired it out, and that was able to pay off for them. But 
I just don't trust Lamar Jackson right now. I feel like the Browns are good enough defensively to turn him into a pocket passer for the most part. And whenever you do that, Lamar Jackson really struggles. So I'll take the Browns if I can get three, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I I, I would take the Browns too, right? I mean, if you're giving, giving me three points for a team that – has won four in a row when the team they're playing is what one and three in their last four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take the three points and live with it, but it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be a really damn good game, which I, I love. It's one of my favorite things when we get a good Monday night football game. Well, here's the other thing too, is, I mean, you would agree that Baker is way better whenever he's confident. One hundred percent. He's playing well, and that right now with a big stage, the way he's been playing, the way that team's playing, like this is a game that is like tailor fit for the Baker Mayfield from college football, right? Right. With uh, the only thing different is like he was always great whenever they went on the road, but you know, big environment, ton of people are going to be watching. You know, the game of the week. If if he has really cemented himself in this league and he's feeling the way he did whenever he was playing his best in college, this is like not necessarily a breakout game, but this is a game that's tailored fit for him. This Okay, this line, the more I look at it, it makes me feel like Vegas knows something we don't. Like, Are there going to be some guys out for the Browns or something? Because it makes no sense, right? And – Every once in a while, one of these lines creeps up, but it's normally in college football where you just go, huh? It doesn't happen that often in the NFL where you're like, wait, three-point underdog at home? Really? I, so, something's up. The alarm bells are going off in my head when I see that line. Stay yeah. away. I mean, the, there's, there's something to that. Uh, yeah, kitty, 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 kitty. You see that the Browns nine and three at home getting three points. Of course I'll take that. What? You kidding me? That's easy money. Yeah, I. They're probably looking at that first matchup whenever the Ravens, both teams at full strength, uh, absolutely spanked the Browns. So Correct. that was a long time ago, but that game did in fact happen. So, you know, we have something to go off here. Yeah. So. We'll both take the points. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, but uh, I guess we're on the Browns there, Ted. All right, Ted, let's finish up with Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopen in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. So they sent them to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. And unfortunately, the Fighting Irish fell to the Carl Albert Titans in the state championship uh, game. You were worried about it. You were worried about it. but It was, it was an admirable performance. Okay, but good. But just Carl Albert, they I, – I got to call it how I see it. They currently own McGinnis. They own him. It's just it's, – it's the painful truth. Doesn't make me happy saying it. 
Now, I, I want to reiterate, I was undefeated against Carl Albert, just in case you were wondering, Teddy. Nice. But, yeah, I think whew, I think they've played in four state championships. Like, four of the last five, Carl Albert's beat them in every single one. <laughs> yeah, ouch. Brutal. Whew. Unfortunate. Okay, so uh, we wanted to have a little fun in this Keeping It Local. And because uh, there was a ton of snow around the state on Sunday – uh, I love seeing so many people post about it, right? I know that annoys some people because everyone's like, we all know it's snowing. I enjoy people being happy. So people, post away with your <laughs> snow. V- video everything. Put it, on, put, it on the, uh, put it on Twitter. Put it on Facebook. Put it where you want to put it. If it makes you happy, do it. Don't listen to all the naysayers. But I, I, and I'm hoping that everyone is staying safe, right? I, I know some people lost power, some of the roads maybe a little slick there Sunday morning. So hopefully everyone's doing all right. Hope you guys are all good. And uh, I was looking at the snow map right before we started recording. Looks like the panhandle got the most snow because, of course, it's the panhandle. And that's, that's what they do. <laughs> but I don't know about you, Ted and Norman, but it snowed a lot in my house in Oklahoma City. And I just thought in, in honor of the weather that we got that, we should just talk about things we like to do in the snow. I know that this is really stupid, but I thought it would make me happy because I think people really like snow. We don't get it often either. Yeah, I enjoy it. I have a ton of fun. We went out twice today in the snow. We had a morning round and then a late evening round. Uh, Got to let, let the stuff dry off a little bit, and then you're back at it. Uh, exactly right exactly right about the time i finished laundry from the morning uh he was like hey i know what we forgot to do this morning i was like what do you mean we didn't go sledding oh okay well let's go (laughs) so he drugged me outside but after i was out there i was glad i did it okay so what are your favorite three things favorite three activities to do in the snow it's easy. First favorite activity, uh, don't do this anymore, but whenever I was a kid and it snowed, it was verified that everyone knew we were about to play snow football. This is like pre-cell phone days, okay? You didn't have like a big text chain of friends. You just showed up at the football field, the high school football field, and got it on in the snow, and everyone would show up. It was awesome. Every single time, even in high school, we went out and played football in the snow whenever it came down. Okay. You're saying play football. Like, did you wear pads? Like, did you? No. Okay. Like, Ooh. backyard football. Yeah. No. That's the stuff. Yep. I still have a friend to this day that brings up uh, a hit I put on him. Someone threw him a, a pass over the middle, and I cleaned him up, and he's still upset about it. <laughs> Quarter, hey, are you His just like, hey, brother man. tried to fight me. And <laughs> your, was, your quarterback left you out to drive. Blame the quarterback. Don't blame me. What do you me. want me to do? Allow you to catch it? I mean, come on. But snow football, definitely number one. Number two is sledding, and any sledding classifies uh, down a hill, pulled behind a four-wheeler or like a side-by-side or pulled behind your mother's volvo in in nickel sills back in the day i realized i I now realize how stupid that was that my my, brother that was a bad idea 
one of the earliest memories of my life is sitting in a sled with my brother. I had to be probably three. My brother would have been like seven. And my dad was pulling us through a empty like housing development in Broken Arrow and a cop pulled us over. <laughs> like my yes. earliest memory. My dad had this crappy, horrible car. It was a, uh, oh God, what was it called? Like a, a Suzu Colt or something like that. It was like a little diesel hatchback. <laughs> oh. it, was, it was pulling us through this. It was hilarious. But uh, sledding's number two. And number three, I think, like building a snowman is something that you just have to do. And by the way, today's snow was the best snowman snow you could ever have. It was awesome. Right out my window, I'm looking at maybe the largest snowman ever built. Uh, I almost threw my back out picking up the middle section uh, to put on the <laughs> to put on the the snowman. So that that that's number three for me. I I completely agree. Okay, so my three, uh, I I think my sledding days are over. So I'm going to go my favorite three snow activities right now. Number three, building a snowman. It was the first thing I did. And you're right, the powder we, the fresh powder we got here in the state of Oklahoma, that was some packable snow. I mean, it was so easy to build snowman. It was like it took me five minutes. And it was <laughs> yeah. It just rolls up like it rolls. It took every bit of snow as you're rolling the ball through the yard. It was amazing. It was fantastic. It was so easy. So my wife and I did that. We had a really good time doing it. I didn't think I was going to have a great time. She was like, let's go play in the snow. And I was like, no, that's stupid. We're old. We don't have kids. Like, why would we I'm do that? She's like, football. I exactly. That's what I was doing. I was watching. Like, Let's play in the snow. I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden I'm like out there like a kid and I'm building this dough, man, having like the time of my life. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. My wife's a lot smarter than me. Uh, that's why I listened to her. So number three is building a snowman. Number two, and this is, this is very niche for the men. Uh, I assume peeing in the snow. I, I'm not going to lie. Teddy, it is one of my favorite things. And now as I'm thinking about this and saying it out loud, I would like to say to my security camera company that it was cold outside, okay? Because I'm realizing <laughs> there is a camera right where I peed this morning and wrote my name in the snow. But it, it's a rite of passage. It is a rite of passage. It is one of my favorite things to do when it snows. I feel like – you just got to pee in it. I don't know why it is that That's way. Great. I don't know why I'm so drawn to it, <laughs> but I, I just like it. It's fun. It's, it, it's a fun activity. I'll That's say that. Great. So. And, you know, I will say this, that um, one of the neighborhood kids was eating the snow, and I'm always like, how do you know someone hasn't peed in that? You know, it's just, it's your first thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's natural. It's what <laughs> men do. We pee outside. It's just what we do, and there's no – like that, like the steam is coming. Ah, oh, what, what an experience. But number one thing I enjoy, number one favorite thing is watching dogs play in the snow. I – and I, I put it out there on Twitter. I put a video of McKenna, one of my little Labradoodles. She's hopping around like a bunny rabbit in the snow. It's hilarious. It's cute. It's funny. And I told everyone on Twitter, and you can go look at it, on my Twitter, I said, hey, this is the content I crave 
give me all the videos you have of your dogs playing in the stove because I think it is the funniest thing in the world. It makes me happy watching the dogs love the snow. Now, there was also a couple in there where it didn't look like the dogs were having the best time, but one guy sent me one. His dog is like rolling a snowball for a snowman. Like the, the ball is huge. It is big, and the dog is like rolling it along. I'm like, that's amazing. This is, <laughs> this is what I crave in life. This is amazing. So my number one favorite thing when it comes to snow, watching dogs play in the snow. If you've got a video of your dog playing in the snow and you're like, oh, I don't want to post it. No, damn it. Post it because it is the best content on planet Earth. Do it. Don't be scared. Do it. I love I've, that. I've got a neighbor that has a he's got a couple of dogs and one of them is a doberman and it's gigantic it it's the size of a deer and it runs i believe as fast as a deer it is the most impressive animal i think i've ever seen in my life but he was i watched i stood at the window and watched him run in the snow for like 45 minutes straight. He was out there all day running, uh, plowing through the snow. He tore up one of the neighbor's uh, snowmen that they build. He destroyed that. He was an animal. Loved it all day long. But I don't understand. Like He doesn't – he has super thin hair. It was, cold, it was incredibly cold outside, and he was fine all day long, cruising, running, rolling around in the snow it was amazing to watch that's because he can't feel the cold through all of the joy through the he's fun. experiencing ted i think my son uh has that same <laughs> situation because i'm like i'm out there i'm like dude let's go inside and he's soaking wet because he's been rolling around in it he's like come on 10 more minutes come on dad and i'm like okay i don't know how he does it it's the joy you're right it's the joy. Snow. It's great. Now, hopefully the roads don't get too bad. Hope everyone listening to this is safe. Okay, Ted. Episode 68 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. We will be previewing the Big 12 championship game. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.